to Sister Speak Fringe, where we discuss season two of the Fox TV series Fringe from a sister's point of view. I'm Sister J. And I'm Sister K. And welcome to episode nine. Let's get started. Okay. This episode is called, or, or yeah, this edition is called Snakehead. And I'm doing the recap today. This is Sister J. Okay. <clears throat> We start out in uh, Boston. We're in Chinatown District in Boston. And we see a wet, sweaty man walking through the streets. He's looking kind of disoriented. And he's asking people for directions to Ping Street. And people finally, you know, a woman finally gives him the directions. Then we see him ringing the bell, <coughs> excuse me, to this uh, shop. And the owner uh, lets him inside. He tells the owner that all the others must be dead and is he the only one? And the owner tells him, well, let's hope. We'll wait and see, but you are the first one to come. To come." So the owner tells him, you know, let's get you some dry clothes. I'll get you something to eat. And he takes him down to the basement. In the basement, we see there are several beds laying around in the basement and, uh, He's telling the man, you know, why don't you spend the night? Let me get you some dry clothes. The man starts complaining about the fact that his stomach hurts. So the owner is telling him, well, you need to lie down and rest. The man start, <clears throat> starts complaining even more and more, and he starts moaning and kind of screaming a little bit, but, you know, not too much. And he keeps saying, in Chinese, my stomach is hurting. Then the man starts screaming, so the owner puts on these gloves that are elbow gloves. These gloves go all the way to his elbows. And then he rolls out this whole little, uh, kind of like suede uh, 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 toolkit that has knives and scissors and, and, and tools like that in it. He takes out these giant pair of scissors and he cuts away the man's clothes. Then you can see that there's something underneath the man's skin, wiggling around, and it's moving from the man's stomach up to his throat and his uh, uh, nose. And as the owner is getting some other tools ready, then we see tentacles protruding through the man's nose and then through his mouth. And that man is screaming and screaming and screaming. And the owner pulls this long worm-like creature out of the man's mouth. It is the nastiest thing. It's gross. Ooh. The next, next we're at the Dorchester Bay Inlet. And this is a docking area for ships and, you know, boats to come in uh, with their cargo. And uh, we see that there are police at this dock area. And Olivia is there. And she's waiting for Peter and Walter to arrive. And Peter arrives driving the station wagon. And so Olivia's asking him, uh, where's Walter? And then we see a taxi cab pull up in the background where Peter is telling Olivia, well, Walter is practicing some self-actualization. And he says that Walter is, you know, now trying to cook for himself and he picks up after himself and he even uh, picks out his own clothing and stuff like that. He's trying to be independent. So Walter gets out of the taxi cab and he walks towards Olivia and uh, Peter, you know, going to the, to the, to the uh, scene. And he speaks to Olivia just fine and he ignores Peter. So Peter says, uh, Walter, uh, what's up? Walter turns around and he just looks at Peter for a while, for a couple seconds. And he says, 
I saw you following behind me in the taxi. And Peter tries to explain that, well, wait a minute, we were going in the same direction. And, and, and uh, Walter is kind of angry and he says, you don't trust me. So then Walter just turns around and he walks to the shoreline, which is what they were called for. And Olivia gives Peter a look like, mm, you in trouble, you know. <laughs> and so she follows Walter. So Peter's looking exasperated. So, you know, he follows them. Broyles is already at the shoreline. We see a lot of dead bodies laying around. And Broyles has said that they, um, tells them that a Chinese merchant ship was that was registered in Hong Kong, and they have pulled 27 bodies from the water so far. Evidently, this uh, ship caught fire, and it ran, well, it ran aground first, and it caught fire. And many of the people on the boat jumped off the boat in those freezing waters trying to, you know, swim to safety, but they, they first thought they died of hypothermia because of the cold water. But what they found out was that they all had that warm things in their mouth because all these 27 bodies are laying around. They all have blood around their mouth and face. And some of them still have the worm like creatures protruding from their mouths. It's real nasty. And, um, so Broyles is asking a uh, Walter, you know, has he ever seen anything like it? And Walter says, well, they resemble these tiny little parasites found in livestock, but he's never seen any, uh, the size that these are, and he's never seen them in human beings before. And Walter pulls one of these worm creatures out of this man's mouth, and that thing is long. Walter is, it's like he's pulling for days. It's really nasty. And he hands it to Peter, and he says, I want this creature transported back to my lab, as if Peter is the hired help. Well, Peter's looking like, oh, I don't want to touch it. But, you know, he, he kind of takes it from Walter. And then an agent pulls a woman out of the water and says, hey, y'all, look, you know, we got one that's still alive. So everyone rushes to this woman, including Peter, because then he could throw that worm down. So he throws that worm down to the ground and hurry up and run over there, you know, to the woman. And Walter is really uh, 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 taking control. He orders everyone to hurry up and get the woman transported to a hospital because they have to get that creature out of her immediately because they don't have much time. The next scene, we're back in Chinatown where the owner of this herbal shop has put another worm-like creature into a bucket of water. And that creature is swimming around and, and, and swimming and everything. And we see several dead bodies strapped down on beds all over the basement of this of this little shop. Then the uh, we hear the front door buzzer ringing. So the little owner goes up upstairs and there's another wet, confused little Chinese man saying, you know, has anybody else made it? Has anybody else made it? And the owner tells him, no, you're the first. And I'm thinking, uh oh, he's, you know, we already know he's doing some bad stuff with these people. The next we see, we are introduced to a new character called Tao Chen. And he's, he's this real cute little Asian guy. And he's, he says he's from the Chinese consulate. And he's walking down the hall with uh, Peter and Olivia. And he's walking to the survivor's room, the woman who survived. And he tells uh, them that the woman, her name is Mai Lin. And she uh, lived just outside of Hong Kong. And um, they are told that Mai Lin uh, had a severe case of dehydration, but she was not infected with a worm. 
So Tai Chin translates for the woman as they're questioning the woman. And the woman is very concerned for her husband and child who were in another ship, a different ship than hers. And they were about two days behind the ship of uh, Mai Lin's ship. Now, as they're questioning her and uh, Tao Chin is translating, then Peter speaks Chinese or Cantonese to be ex uh, exact to the woman. And Olivia looking at him surprised like, I didn't know you knew how to speak Cantonese. And Peter says, well, you need to get to know me a bit. And I thought that was kind of funny. But so he was able to communicate with the woman. The woman says, uh, she tells Olivia and Peter that everyone on the ship was given a medicine for seasickness. But that because her father was a fisherman, she didn't take the medicine because, you know, she was used to the sea. So they now realize that, okay, so these people were given this worm-like creature or something. They ingested it in that kind of way. So Olivia figures that they have 36 hours left before that second ship lands, and all those people on the second ship are going to be infected with the, with the worm creature. So next we're back at Walter's lab, and Astrid is weighing one of the worm creatures, and she says it weighs 7 pounds and 10 ounces. And Walter is dissecting one of those creatures. This is the most, one of the most nastiest scenes. He's got it all cut open. He's got those really uh, 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 magnetized uh, lenses on his eyes, on his glasses. And ooh, it looks really bad. And um, he tells Astrid that it is a parasitic worm. That's what it is. And Walter is marveling at the fact that Mother Nature creates so many different creatures, you know. And Astrid says something funny. She says, as she's looking at that giant worm, Astrid says, um, considering your new pet, I'd say Mother Nature is a real bitch. Oh, that was, <laughs> I laughed for a whole 10 minutes. That was so good. I couldn't believe they had Astrid saying that line. But anyway, then Olivia and Peter come into the lab. And Olivia tells Walter uh, what Mylin said about everyone taking this capsule of, me of medicine. And uh, they explain that, you know, everybody got sick with this uh, worm infection except for Mylin because she didn't take the capsule. So Walter says that, well, it makes sense to him because the human body would be a perfect host because it would provide nutrition, warmth, and a protective shell for the worm to grow. Ugh. So... The next scene, we're back in Chinatown, and we see the owner of the herbal shop. He's cutting open a huge worm, and he's using this little, uh, uh, like, long tweezer things, and he removes this small, round gland from the worm. And then he drops that gland into this large beaker filled with, looks like, at least 100 other little glands. And then the next we see the, the owner, we see him shaking out a powdered substance from a beaker and he's shaking it out onto a parchment paper and, and it's, he makes two mounds of it and then he folds that, uh, the edges of the parchment paper to make it resemble an envelope and he, then he slaps his Chinese label on it. So we know he's, he's making some powder out of some out of the worm's glands or something. The next scene, we are at the FBI headquarters and Broyles and Olivia and Peter, they have a Chinese man in an interrogation room. And Broyles is telling them that uh, th this particular man had set fire to uh, the documents and everything on the ship that uh, 
where they pulled those 27 bodies out of the water and you know so they're they're putting in him in a room and trying to let him sweat a little bit before they interrogate him and peter's looking at the man and saying well uh don't y'all realize he's a triad member look at his tattoos and so people peter is interpreting for broils what the tattoos mean and as they're sitting there talking and and uh uh they're talking about the, the creature also, and Peter's saying that, you know, Walter thinks that maybe maybe these creatures um, secrete some kind of opiate product, like, you know, cocaine or heroin or something, but an opiate like that. And that's why they're using, the triad's using uh, people to smuggle these worms in. And then Peter's trying to tell him, you know, well, he's a triad member, so, you know, they're into drugs and narcotics, so this is probably the case. While they're outside the room talking, this Chinese man has coughed up a razor blade out of his mouth. And and so Livia shouts, he's got a razor blade. But before they can get into the room, that guy slits his own throat. That was that was, that was freaky. And it's just like a big old smile under his neck, under his chin. You know, it was really kind of gross. So that's the, I got some comments in our comment section about that. But anyway. The next scene, we are back at the lab with Walter and Astrid. And Astrid is cutting open this little, well, I thought she was cutting open the worm. What she's doing is she has a syringe stuck in the worm, and she's trying to syringe out some of this um, uh, uh, um, uh, liquid from his lymph gland. And Walter is holding the worm. So she's trying to tell Walter, uh, you need to keep this worm still, you know, so I can get down in there. And Walter's telling her that, you know, with the high cost of transporting all these worms and stuff, that must mean that this worm's opiate factor is really quite high. Astrid looks at him and says, Walter, you are not smoking this thing. Because <laughs> Walter's grinning like, ooh, I can't wait to get high on this thing, you know. Oh, it was funny. And Walter's steadily smiling. Then, after Astrid uh, takes her syringe out, then that worm wraps itself around Walter's arm and starts sucking on him. And, and Astrid is just alarmed and almost shouting and saying, Walter, that thing's feeding on you. And she's trying to pull that creature off. And Walter's telling her, well, wait a minute. Uh, this sensation is rather pleasant. But Astrid finally gets it off. And when Astrid pulls that uh, worm off, and she's she's trying to hold the worm, but it's screeching and wiggling, trying to get away from her. And Walter looks up, and Broyles is standing right there, staring at both of them. It was a good scene, because he, he is not smiling in the least. He's just looking at them like, what the hell? But anyway, so... So he tells him that he's looking for um, uh, Olivia. So Astrid says, well, she's in the back room with Peter. So that Broyles goes into the back room where Olivia and Peter are. And they're discussing if there's a, 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 a black market for this, you know, substance that, that these worms are secreting, then who would be selling it and stuff? And Broyles has bought them the entire file that the FBI has on the Sun Hong Triad. And their suspected leader is, is some person named John Sue, which we find out later he's fictitious, but for now, that's what they know. The next scene we have is in Beacon Hill, which is a district in Boston. And Olivia and Peter, they've gone to the home of this woman called Elizabeth Jarvis because this woman, they have traced money from this ship 
to this woman. She had given $500,000 to a company associated with the Sun Hong Triad and this particular ship. So the woman, when they're talking to her, the woman claims that, you know, she doesn't know anything about it. Her financial advisor uh, had recommended the investment uh, with this company and that, uh, you know, she, she can't really tell them anything else. Well, while Olivia's talking to the woman, Peter is, you know, looking all around her house and he's noticing that she's got 50 million, not quite that much, but she's got hand sanitizer all over the house. There are tags that say her medically sealed on her window and on the air ducts, like where your air conditioning comes out. So she's a, a germaphobe or that's what he thinks. So he's thinking, hmm. So he notices all these things. Next, we're back um, with Walter in the lab. And Peter is asking Walter, what, what, what connection would there be between an obsessive germaphobe and these worms? And Peter says that he has a theory. But before he can get to it, then P uh, Peter notices the bite marks on Walter's arms. And he's alarmed saying, well, what is this? And then Astrid complains to Peter that, you know, Walter got uh, uh, sucked on by that worm, but he refuses to go to the doctor and get it checked out. And Walter tells Peter, look, not only am I, am I fine, but my, my white blood count is through the roof. And I even had that, that bout of gas that I had, even that's gone. And he says, I have several new antibodies in my blood. So he now believes that these worms secrete a medicine and not an illicit drug like they thought uh, at first. And then he, he's telling them that um, in Chinese medicine, in Chinese herbal medicine, there's a type of hookworm that they use to treat chronic asthma. And these parasites, but the parasites that they have been taking out of these people are new species of hookworm that were bioengineered from the intestinal hookworm because somebody designed them specifically to grow in humans. So Walter believes that the parasite's lymph gland is the prize because it secretes a uh, remarkable immune-boosting enzyme. So now they know that that is the property that is being sought after and not some kind of opiate. So Walter uh, has already uh, been putting on his new tennis shoes and now he puts on his coat and says he's going to Chinatown because there are five different herbalists listed in the phone book and three of those herbalists are uh, sell the particular kind of hookworm used in chronic asthma um, uh, treatment. And so, you know, Peter says, well, you know, why don't you give me the list and let me go? And Walter, of course, you know, stops and says, you don't trust me. I, I can do this. I, and, and don't follow me. Don't you dare follow me. So Peter tells him, okay, you know, he, he's not going to follow him. So Walter goes to the front door and then he has to turn around. He says, um, could you give me some change for the bus fare? <laughs> that was funny. Okay, next we have Olivia is at the hospital talking uh, again to uh, Mei Lin. And she's showing her pictures of the of the uh, triad member who killed himself in the FBI interrogation room. She's showing her pictures of the tattoos and asking Mai Lin if she's seen any of these kind of tattoos before. And Mai Lin tells her that the man who put them all on the boat had those same kind of tattoos. And so Olivia's telling her, well, you know, 
this man was with the gang, but don't worry, we're going to, you know, get your husband and your daughter. Next, we're at um, sea. We're, we're, we're taken to the second boat that's still traveling, coming into the country. And we see Mylan's husband and her daughter uh, in the boat, in the bottom of the boat, with a whole bunch of other Chinese individuals. And they're all laying around on these beds, and some of them are coughing, some of them are snoring, you know, really loud because they're sleeping and stuff. And uh, the little girl tells her father that she doesn't feel well. And he tells her, well, you know, just, just go to sleep and rest. <clears throat> so the little girl is playing with this little butterfly toy. It looks like a, a fan with a little butterfly on it. Mm -hmm. and, um, and But she's watching this one older man who's snoring really, really loud. And the man is laying there and his shirt is unbuttoned and his shirt's kind of open. And as she's looking at the man snoring, the man's stomach start moving. And that you could tell there's something underneath his skin moving around. And the little girl's eyes get bigger and bigger and bigger with fear. Poor little thing. Then, of course, they break for a commercial. The next scene, we, are, uh, we have Peter and Olivia at Walter's lab. And Peter is telling Olivia that Walter is out self-actualizing again, but that Astrid is keeping an eye on him. So now we know that Peter promised he wouldn't follow him, but, and he didn't, but he sent Astrid to do it. So she's following Walter. Uh, Peter tells Olivia that Elizabeth Jarvis had hand sanitizer and her medically sealed windows all throughout her house. So she must already either be sick or something. So they go back to the Jarvis's house to talk to her, but she's not home, but they find her son. And of course the son, Matt, his name is Matt. He tells him, look, my mom already told me uh, without a lawyer, I don't have to talk to you or nobody. And so uh, Peter tells Matt, that's true. You don't have to talk to FBI, but I'm not FBI. And so Peter takes off his, his jacket and he's going to play uh, hoops with the boy because the boy's outside shooting, shooting baskets. And so Olivia says, well, uh, I need to go make a phone call anyway. I need to go call a judge about getting a search warrant, <laughs> which I thought was funny because that mm -hmm. little boy looked at her like, mm, okay, I know what that means. So Peter is talking to him and he's telling him, look, I understand what it's like, you know, you're being raised by your mother, your father's gone. And so you want to protect her because then if, you know, if, if something happens to your mother, then of course, then you're all alone. But he, he tells her, look, some people that she gave a lot of money to, uh, they're bad people and they're going to do bad things. And the FBI is, is, uh, searching for them and they're going to get them anyway. And these kind of people, they like to tie up loose ends and we're hoping that they won't consider your mother a loose end. Well, that kind of does it for the kid because the kid tells him whatever he needs to know. And the kid tells him, well, my mom is not the one that's sick. It's me. And he pulls up his shirt and he's got this big, long scar like right on the side of his chest area, which we, we later find out is his spleen, spleen surgery. So, okay. Then the next scene, we are back with Walter in Chinatown. And Walter is looking so happy. He is just milling around with the people in this open air market. He is having a ball and he's just smiling and walking amongst the people. And he's looking at his little yellow pages addresses, checking to uh, the address on this one building with the addresses on, on the yellow pages ad, ads that he pulled out of the, 
phone book to make sure that, you know, he was going to the right place when he spots Astrid. I mean, she could have ducked or something, but, you know, he, <laughs> he saw her and he is instantly, instantly, poor thing, his whole demeanor changed. He, he's upset. And, he's, and so Astrid tries to explain to Walter that it's just a coincidence that she's there and, and uh, you know, that they're in the same place and that uh, uh, everybody's worried about him. So Walter asks her if it ever occurred to her that perhaps he wanted to be alone. He wants to live with some dignity and self-respect. Well, Astrid looks like she feels really bad and she apologizes to Walter. And Walter says that, since she's there, then she might as well accompany him to his next herbalist on the list. And, and, uh, but as a friend and not as his supervisor and Astrid smiles and says, yeah, you know, she'd like that. It was really a cute scene. And so, uh, he says, well, good. He says, because he says, I love Chinatown. And both of them walk down the sidewalk giggling like little kids. <laughs> it was really cute. Next we have Olivia and Peter and they are talking to Broyles, and they're at some location under a bridge. I never understood why they was there. They were just under a bridge, like it was some clandestine meeting or something. I don't know, but anyway. But it was in the daytime. Anybody could see them. Mm -hmm. But they're under this bridge talking, and Olivia's uh, telling Broyles that uh, Matt Jarvis is the one who is sick. He suffers from a rare immune deficiency disorder where his body does not produce enough white blood cells to fight off infection. And that Matt says that they inject that powder directly into his spleen in a surgery that he has once a month. Ooh. Oh my God. So once every month he has that surgery. And so they now believe that the worms are harvested for their lymph glands and, um, Matt has also disclosed that the his monthly surgery is due to be performed in two days, which is the same time that the next boat of Chinese nationals is due to be uh, docking at that uh, Dorchester uh, Inlet Bay. So the doctor doing the surgery is some doctor named Dr. Che. So they're not really sure who that is, but mm, they're they're trying to find out. Next, we're back into Chinatown where we see Walter and Astrid and they are at the third herbalist shop. And it is the same shop where the owner is harvesting those glands from the worms. And we find out that his name is Ming Che because that's the name of the shop. And so Ming Che shows Walter these little tiny hookworms. And he tells him that, you know, he calls their official scientific name, which I cannot pronounce it. And, uh, 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 and they're the same worms that they use to uh, combat chronic uh, asthma. And so Walter is very excited. And he tells the man that he hasn't seen anything um, uh, like, uh, or he tells the man that... Uh, uh, you haven't seen anything until you yeah. see a four-foot one. Yeah, you haven't seen anything until you've seen our four-foot worm. And so, of course, Ming Che is looking at him like, uh-oh. And then he gives uh, Ming Che his last $15 for these little specimens. And Astrid was going to pay, but Walter says, oh, no, 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 I got it. So, and, and he and Astrid leave the shop. And as soon as they turn around to leave the shop, Ming Che calls one of his little triad gang members 
at, to come and watch uh, Walter and Astrid. So as we see Walter and Astrid walk out of the shop, we see the little uh, gang member come out of a, a storefront across the street, and he's watching Walter and Astrid. So uh, Walter and Astrid go to this vendor where I'm not really sure what they're ordering, but Astrid says she wants it on the record that she wanted ice cream. So whatever this man is is blending up, it has something to do with some beans. Look like tea. Well, but it had to do with some beans because he was asking, did he soak them? You know? Ooh. Anyway. Uh, yeah, maybe it was tea. I don't know, but it was some kind of dark liquid. But it looked like it was blended up like a smoothie or something. It's like, have you ever been to a, the Chinese tea shop? Where no. They put the bubbles, and they're, well, they're not really bubbles. They're like little... Um, oh, those ball little things? Beans. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. Oh, maybe that's what it was. I think that's what it was. Okay, mm -hmm. then I know what that is. Okay. Anyway, so while Astrid is paying the vendor, then Walter says, oh, look lacquered cricket boxes and he walks on off to to go look at them that's what we think but what he really did was he ditched her he ditched Astrid because <laughs> uh she turns around and uh, she's got the two drinks in her hand and Walter is nowhere to be found so uh next we see Olivia Peter and Broyles they are still talking under that bridge and Broyles is a uh, uh telling Olivia that she needs to lean on Elizabeth Jarvis to get all the information that they can get. They need the name of the doctor, uh, the location where the ship's coming in, you know, anything that she can get from her, lean on her and get that information. And while they're just getting ready to leave, Peter receives a phone call from Astrid. Astrid's all upset, telling him that she lost Walter, that uh, he knew that she had followed him, and, and but he was fine with it but that he lulled her into a false sense of security, and then he ditched her. And Peter was saying, mm, okay, well, you know what? Walter has everything he, he he needs. He's got spare change for the bus. He's got his emergency kit, and he has a card with all our phone numbers on it, so he should be fine. So Astrid says, oh, okay, well, I, I'm going back to the lab then. So the next scene we have, Astrid is walking into the lab and she's calling Walter's name, Walter, Walter, and she's looking in every room for Walter. Suddenly she hears some voices whispering. So, you know, we see her, she turns around real slow and she goes to the sound of these footsteps. She sees this really large tattooed Chinese man and he's lifting up the lid on the tank where Walter has that uh, big old worm swimming around in this tank. And it's not four feet. It's like more like two feet long. But anyway. Long. Yeah, it's real long. And then as she's looking at this man, a second Chinese man is standing real close to Astrid. And her little eyes is wide. They're getting wider and wider. She looks really afraid. So then the next scene, we're back with Walter in Chinatown. And Walter is at a payphone, And he's trying to call Peter but he keeps dialing a wrong number. And of course, people keep hanging up on him. Walter looks scared and upset. And poor little thing, he sits down on a bus bench with this little sack of specimens, and he just looks so forlorn. So after a, a while, this little Chinese woman comes and sits down on the bench, probably waiting on her bus. And Walter tells her that the number five bus has not stopped there in over two hours. So we know he's been sitting there for two hours. 
and he used up all his bus fare to dial seven wrong numbers. And he begins to cry and tell this woman that he can't remember the correct number uh, to reach Peter. And he knows uh, the numbers that are in the phone number, but he doesn't know the correct sequence. And he, he starts crying. And the little Chinese woman looks at him so sympathetic. She says something to him in Chinese that we don't know what it is, but she looks she looks very sympathetic and like she's really feeling sorry for him. The next scene, we're back at the lab. Astrid is laid out on the floor, <laughs> bleeding. Got my baby girl bleeding. But anyway, <laughs> she bleeding on the floor. Astrid got jacked. She got jacked. Anyway, Olivia and Peter are kneeling down saying, Astrid, Astrid, you okay? Astrid. Well, that lab is all torn up. Stuff broke up all over the floor. And Astrid is bleeding from a busted lip, and she got a big old head wound that's bleeding too. So Peter and Olivia, you know, finally wake her up, and Peter wants to call an ambulance. And, of course, Astrid, you know, uh, 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 the martyr that she is, is saying, no, I'm okay, don't call an ambulance, you know. And Peter says, who did this? And she says, uh, two big Asian guys with tattoos. And they look up, and, of course, the worm is gone. So that now they know that they, you know, were there to get the worm. Yeah. So about that time, Peter gets a call from the Chinese woman. So he's talking Chinese to the woman, and he, he, he hangs up and tells Olivia and Astrid that um, he's got to go to Chinatown to pick Walter up. Walter's fine. Walter's okay, but, you know, he's got to go pick him up. So Olivia, the next thing we have is Olivia is back with Elizabeth, Elizabeth Jarvis, and she's questioning her. And uh, Jarvis says that, you know, her son Matt won't live long without this monthly treatment. So she can't help Olivia. And Olivia's telling her, you know, we rescued a Chinese woman whose little girl is on the other boat that's coming in just so your son can have the surgery. And she's going to die too. So she, uh, Olivia demands to know the name of the person who is treating Matt. And, of course, Elizabeth Jarvis, you know, she's looking all guilty and kind of worried and stuff. But we figure, you know, she's going she's gonna to tell her because she, she wouldn't want the little girl to die too. The next scene, we are uh, with Peter at the Chinese woman's house, and we find out that her name, her first name is Faye, F-E-Y. And Walter is dressed in a blue robe, drinking tea, sitting at a table, and he says, hello, my son. Allow me to introduce you. My hostess's name is Faye. And he's just so proper and everything. And of course, the little woman, Faye, is, is telling Peter in Chinese that Walter could not remember uh, Peter's number correctly. So she called, you know, a whole lot of numbers in the book until they finally got Peter. So Peter tells Walter, he says, Walter, the numbers are right in your pocket. And he goes to his jacket and pulls out this card. And Walter's looking embarrassed. That's what I would say. He looks kind of hurt and embarrassed. And Peter's saying, you know, how many times have I told you? I put them right there. Don't you remember that? And, you know, Walter tells him, no, not at all. I, I just don't remember it. So he's looking real embarrassed and everything. And and Peter, I think, kind of starts feeling bad. So Peter, at this point, Peter finally asks Walter, uh, are you okay? And, of course, Walter says, I'm fine. And he tells the woman, uh, uh, as the woman is telling Peter that, you know, she normally doesn't uh, bring strangers home, but 
her father was, uh, or his father was so upset that, you know, she felt that was the right thing to do. Then Walter gathers up his little clothes and he tells Peter, um, uh, or he bows to the woman and, and thanks her for the noodles that he just ate and tells Peter, you know, you really got to try them. And he goes presumably to the bathroom, put his clothes back on. And I'm not really. Why is his clothes? <laughs> I was just gonna I say know. I'm not really clear how come his clothes was off in the first place because it wasn't raining. So we'll, we'll get to that anyway. Ooh, Walter. Oh, please. Anyway, so now next we have um after Walter puts his clothes back on, <laughs> Peter leads Walter to the car, and of course Walter's looking all worried and and kind of sad, and and says that he hopes he didn't cause uh, Agent Farnsworth too much distress. And Peter says, "Well, I think she had a lot more things on her mind." And so Peter asks Walter if he remembers which shops that he went to. And Walter says, well, no, but, you know, that's how come I have this. And he pulled out the Yellow Pages ad. And Peter's smiling like, oh, yeah, that's great, you know. And uh, he tells him that Astrid uh, went with him to the third um, shop listed there, which is Ming Che. And so Walter tells uh, Peter that Ming Che had a good selection of hookworms and that he kind of exaggerated when he told uh, Ming Che that they had a worm that was four feet long. Oh, Peter looks alarmed at Walter and says, so they're the ones that followed Astrid. Walter looks really surprised and says, somebody followed Astrid? What do you mean? What do you mean? And Peter says, well, you know, I'll tell you later. Peter gets a call from Olivia. Olivia uh, uh, tells her, or he tells Olivia that Walter's fine. Olivia said that um, they got information from Elizabeth Jarvis about the name of the ship and it was uh, where it was going to dock. And the FBI were uh, just about ready to, to conduct a raid on this ship. And so Peter tells her that he's tracking down another lead. So, you know, they'll keep in touch. So Peter orders Walter to get in the car and he says, I'll tell you later about Astrid. Now, uh, the next scene, we uh, see the FBI uh, gathering around, kind of watching all those uh, 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 crewmen, you know, how they uh, uh, put all the ropes uh, off the ship and, you know, dock it and all that stuff. And the, the FBI conduct their raid and they... They storm the ship and they get on with, with the, they get on with the ship. And of course, they find that all the people down in the belly of the ship are gone. And Olivia finds this little butterfly toy. So anyway, uh, Peter finally. The next scene is Peter stops at the Ming Ming Che shop, and Walter says that he needs to get back to the lab to check on uh, Agent Farnsworth. And Peter said uh, sees a triad member moving all these people from the back of a van to the herbal shop. So he calls Olivia, at, who um, who told them that they had the right ship, but all the people were gone. And Peter says, well, yeah, I know, because uh, I'm watching them right now going to the shop. And he gives them the address. And so Olivia says, well, we're on our way. So Peter orders Walter to stay in the car. Of course, Walter's saying, you really shouldn't be going in there. And he says, oh, I'll be fine. So after Peter gets out of the car, I think it's really cute. Walter locks the doors. He locks all the car doors and everything. So Peter sneaks into the uh, herbal shop. Uh, Peter walks up to the door and he takes out this toolkit where he is picking the lock on this door. So I wonder why he's walking around with toolkit. But anyway, and he sneaks in there. And of course, he gets down to the basement and he sees um, 
a woman strapped to, well, several bodies strapped to these gurney tables, but a woman is strapped to a gurney table. She has a gag in her mouth, and Ming Che has his elbow gloves on, and he's getting his knives and stuff, and he's getting ready to cut the woman so he can get that worm out of her. And Peter is, uh, the woman sees Peter, and Peter puts his, you know, hand up to his mouth trying to tell her to, you know, be quiet. So when, uh, when Ming Che turns to the table to get this big old knife, and before he gets a chance to turn back to the woman to get ready to cut her, then Peter jumps in from behind and knocks his head up against the table, knocks him out. So he's trying to tell the woman, okay, don't be afraid. I'm, I'm going to get you out of here. And he's, he's untying the woman. But then, of course, one of the little triad gang members jumped Peter from behind. So uh, while that's happening, then we're outside watching Walter looking all nervous, looking all around in the car, singing this little, some little song he's singing about uh, somebody, somebody putting their head in the lion's den, which is supposed to be foreshadowing, I guess. Then uh, the next scene we see Peter is strapped to a board that's standing upright. And Ming Che is getting one of these little bitty worms with the tweezer. And he's saying that, you know, telling Peter, somebody must know you're here. Who is it? And Peter's saying, nobody knows I'm here. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. So one of the, the, the little Chinese henchmen, triad member, he is forcing Peter's mouth open. And Peter's trying to struggle and stuff. Well... About that time, Olivia Broyles and all the FBI agents arrive at, at the uh, uh, herbal shop. And then we go back inside and Ming Che uh, has dropped that worm down in Peter's mouth. And the little henchman uh, forces Peter to close his mouth. And, the, and, and the, uh, Ming Che is ordering Peter to swallow it. And Peter is, I tell you, Joshua Jackson is playing this scene. He is struggling. He is... He is struggling not to swallow that thing. And about that time, Olivia and the FBI agents bust in. Olivia shoots Ming Che as Broyles orders the henchman uh, to get down on his knees. And therefore, he's not holding Peter no more. And Peter spits that worm out. The worm and spit come out all splat on the floor. So that was really bad. Ugh. Now, the next scene is... My favorite scene of the whole show. So let, let me get ready. We have Walter back at the lab. Walter enters the lab and he's looking for Astrid. And he calls her name, Astrid, Astrid, real softly. And he is smiling. And then Astrid hears him and says, Walter, and but she's wiping these tears from her eyes. And she says, I thought I lost you. And then she tells him, you know, not to worry about the lab because Walter's looking all around on the floor like, What's all this busted up stuff? She says, because, you know, I, I'm going to clean it all up. And Walter looks at the floor and then he looks at Astrid. And he has noticed for the first time that Astrid has blood on her shirt. And then he notices her little bloody lip. And there are little tears in, in Astrid's eyes, but there's also tears in Walter's eyes too. And he says, oh, dear God, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. And Astrid tells him, you know, it's not your fault. You know, it's it, it's not your fault. And for several seconds, they just look at one another with tears in their eyes. And Astrid, she's just so cute. And then Walter kind of touches her cheek and then he hugs, he grabs her and hugs her. And she just hugs his neck. It is so cute. I just love that scene. Anyway, okay. Next we have like the little wrap-up scenes, which is Broyles, Peter, and Olivia. And they're walking in the hospital 
uh, and they're going to Maylene's room. And this is the little wrap-up scene where we find out the information. Broyles said that all of the Chinese nationals from the ship, uh, the State Department has decided to give them all political asylum. Uh, they've all been treated, and they're, they're all going to live. They found six other patients with immune deficiencies being treated by Ming Che. So they're now being questioned by the FBI as well. And Olivia excuses herself from their conversation. And she goes to uh, Mai Lin's room and she sees the little girl sitting on the bed with Mai Lin. Mai Lin's husband is in a, another bed next to her. And she gives the little girl back her little, uh, little butterfly toy. Okay. And the last scene is Walter... Uh, is waking up Peter who has fallen asleep on his couch while holding a beer, a bottle of beer. And Walter tells Peter that he wanted to be independent and to live like a man, not a child, and not to have his son watching after him all the time. But he tells Peter that, you know, he appreciates all that he does for him. So he says that, you know, I've been out of the institution for a year now and I've just begun my journey back towards being whole. But there may be times when I, I will get lost. So I put a tracking device in my neck. <laughs> and then he gave Peter this transponder and says, this is for you so you can find me wherever I am. So Peter, Walter seems very pleased with himself and he gets up to, to let Peter go back to sleep. So Peter tells Walter good night and Walter tells Peter good night. And then we see Peter sitting on the couch and he's kind of just looking out in the air and he's kind of, smiling and he looks over at that transponder and the little red light uh beeping real softly that's the end that's a long one that was a long recap. i know but oh man it was so good it was a good episode it was so good i really love this episode i loved it it was nasty though yes Way. it had a lot of nastiness in it you know now i thought the nastiest episode was the one with the slugs no Remember that where the people would drink water, a slug would come out their throat, and then... This was nastier. Ugh, this was nastier. It was really nasty. But it was also, it <sighs> had some very good stuff in it. It did. When Walter is trying to be so independent and doing things for himself, and that scene uh, when they went to the shoreline, and he just ignored Peter, yeah, you know, because he, he was mad. You followed me. You followed behind my it's text like a teenager. Yet. I know. It's like he was a teenager. I know. But then on the other hand, when he was at that scene, he was very commanding. He was professional. He was giving people orders, telling them what to do. Uh-huh. And he was just very professional with it. Yeah. So, you know, I thought that was really, really good. <laughs> okay. I, go ahead. Okay. What I was going to say was, I wrote myself a note. I wonder what the significance is, or if there's any, with the Chinese man, the triad member, slitting his own throat in the FBI interrogation room. Because, you know, that's the second time somebody has killed themselves in an interrogation room at the FBI when they wasn't watching. Yeah. First of all, how did they not check him. That's what I'm wondering. Or, I mean, but if it was in his mouth. It was in his mouth because he coughed it up. Ugh, yeah. That scene disturbed me too. Yeah, because how are you going to cough up a razor blade and not cut your throat in the first place? And then when he, after he cut his throat, he just was kind of smiling there. Yeah! 
That was that was an awful scene. Oh, it that was, was awful. It was nasty. And Olivia was, was trying to hold his neck. I was know. ducking the whole episode. <laughs> Covering your eyes. I was ducking and dodging the whole episode. I was like, I can't watch this. It was really nasty. Just all the all the way around. The worm things was just too gross. And then, you know, when Even they watching them damn things swimming around. I know. It was just mm. It looked like big um jellyfish or something. I don't know. What. I don't know. It looked like a big old worm with, with octopus tentacles on the end. Yeah. Ugh. It was nasty, but oh man, when they had sister girl get beat down, I was upset. Poor little thing. I felt really sorry for her though. Yeah. Because she's not a big person. No. She's and cute. then when the scene comes back and she's laid out on the floor, I, I thought, oh no, wait a minute. They better not kill her off or nothing. <laughs> That's the first thing I, I thought. Man. I know. I was so upset, but, you know, she survived. But that was so touching, though. That was. That was a very good scene. I love the scenes with her and Walter, but mm-hmm. this one was a way different because it, it just had... It, excuse me. They gave them time to show that tenderness and not talk yeah. and just look at each other yep. and see all the emotion on both of their faces. Yep. She was trying to suck it up. You could tell. I know. You know. She was crying and upset and then he walked in and she was trying to suck it up but she just couldn't. I know. That was, she you know? was good in that scene. That was though. a very good Yeah, scene. she was trying to suck it up and not, you know, be too emotional or, or anything. Yeah. And Walter, he was, well, uh, he was just emotional. Once he realized, once he saw that blood on her shirt, because see, he hadn't seen that yet. No. And then he saw her mouth, because it was it's clearly cut. You know, he just felt so bad because he knew that, or he felt responsible. Mm-hmm. He felt responsible. So, well, when you know the episode when I watched it, I didn't catch at first that he ditched her. Yeah. Until she said that. I thought that somebody snatched him. No. So, you know, I was like, what? This doesn't even make sense. But then when, you know, after she said, well, I think he ditched me, I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of thought that even at the time because, and I'll tell you why. And that's because Walter was very upset when he first saw Astrid. And she was yeah. trying to explain to him everything. But if you notice... His whole attitude instantly changed it because is. he had already formulated, okay, I'm going to string her along and then I'm going to ditch her, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. which is exactly what Peter said. Yeah. Oh, did he do such and such and such to do you, you yeah, know, which is exactly what he did. So <laughs> that was good. It was good. <laughs> he done ditched her because, you know, Walter's supposed to be the crazy one. He's not supposed to know how to outsmart them folks, you know. But it turns out he really didn't. I know. Because he was totally lost. Totally. Didn't know where he was at or that he even had anyone's phone number on him. He didn't remember none of that stuff. So. And I want to know, I wonder what was in his emergency kit. I know. Because uh, Peter said he had change for the bus, his emergency kit, and the phone numbers. The phone numbers. So what's in the emergency kit? Hmm. We never saw that. Yeah. I wonder what that is. I don't know. But the main question I got, how come he in a robe? In that lady's apartment. Hello. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. When I, I'm like, what happened to his clothes? Why is he wearing her? I mean, it wasn't raining or silk, nothing. A silky robe. It wasn't like he was cold. Yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Faye <laughs> and Walter. 
And, and it all before Peter came over. <laughs> and he's sitting there drinking some tea, smiling. Mm. Eating noodles. Eating noodles. With his clothes folded up over here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That wasn't clear. Yeah, that's not clear at all. You know, our dirty minds will go straight to that. And then when she tell people, well, Peter, well, uh, I don't normally bring strangers home. Mm-hmm. But uh, he was so upset. Closet freak. <laughs> Isn't that the name of that child's fashion line on that show? Oh, well, whatever. Anyway, <clears throat> okay. I just thought that was kind of strange, you know. It was weird, but you know, <laughs> I, <laughs> I guess they wanted us to show they got close. They got, you know, he won her over. The ladies, I don't know, but that was, yeah, that scene was kind of odd. Yeah, <laughs> that part of the scene, <laughs> they didn't explain odd. none of that. Yeah. So you know, uh, one thing I noticed, and that is, until after Astrid went back to the lab, but that whole, uh, until Walter was talking to Peter once they came out of uh, Miss Faye's house, every single time Walter referred to Astrid, he called her Agent Farnsworth. Yeah. And I wondered if they were trying to show something. Every single time, even when he was talking to her or if he was talking to, to Peter or Olivia about her, he referred to her as Agent Farnsworth. After he got rescued from Peter, uh, uh, um, uh, yeah. picked up, then he would say Astrid a couple times. So I wonder if they were trying to... I think he was doing that because he wanted to be independent and more professional. You know, mm-hmm. that was a part of his little self-actualization thing. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, he referred to her as Agent Barnesworth. And I noticed, too, when Broyles was standing there, when they was cutting up that worm or... or or syringing him. Yeah. And he he said, uh, Dr. Bishop, Agent Farnsworth, you know, Broyles, because he's always very right. formal. So right. uh, that's the way I took that, that uh, Walter was tr- making an effort to be professional and formal. I didn't notice that. I yeah. Didn't. I mean, I noticed him I say Agent Farnsworth a lot, it, but it, I didn't think it, about what That's how he referred to her mm-hmm. the whole time until after... He found out that she was followed. Then he would say Astrid. So, I just think that that's interesting. I like those kind of little, you know. Little details. Yeah, I do. I do. Well, what I liked about it was we get to learn more about Peter again. He speaks Chinese. Yeah. Cantonese. Yeah, so Mm -hmm. not only can he speak Arabic, which we already knew, he speaks speaks Chinese now. Mm -hmm. Well, see, I remember from episode from the whole first season i remember distinctly peter having conversations with olivia or someone where he disclosed that he was kind of like a thug that's the impression i got he was into gambling we didn't know what all his dealings were right but he had a whole lot of dealings like like uh i don't mean blackout stuff like with the military but like uh black market dealings and stuff so yeah he got around and like we saw in a couple a couple episodes ago he can't go to any other he can't use his own name to get in and out of the country right Mm -hmm. he's got to still finagle stuff exactly so i thought that was a good 
carrying forward mm-hmm. of what we the found story. out. Yeah, what we found out because yeah, he does speak all these languages because he's had some black market dealings within all these places. So hmm, that was good. It was. Yeah, it, <clears throat> I really liked. I really liked uh, the end also. When Walter is trying to explain to Peter, you know, I wanted to be doing this on my own, but I'm still mm-hmm. learning and I'm still, you know, and in case I get lost again, then put a tracker in his own neck. <laughs> yeah, at first Peter now, that's went, a mess. what you do? And yeah. He, he got a big old I band-aid like, what up What the heck did you do to yourself? <laughs> Poor Walter. I just love that actor playing this part, John. Oh, no, yeah. He, his facial expressions are so good. He don't even have to say stuff in his scenes, no. though. He just, his facial expressions are so mm-hmm. good. He is excellent actor, is. though. But Joshua Jackson is, too. Yeah. Man, he was really good in this uh, episode. He was, He got jacked, too. He got jacked up. But First you know, of all, he's always going places, and he never has a gun. He never has a and weapon. He, yes, and in several episodes, I think we commented on this a couple Yeah. He always tells Olivia, you're the one with the gun, so you can do the shooting or whatever. He never picks up a gun. He never seems mm-hmm. to have a gun. Then the first time, or in this season, that we see him with one was that uh, razor, laser gun of the Observers. Right, but that's only because the Observer pressed it into his hand. Yeah, but other see, than that, he don't. Yeah. He doesn't ever have and, one. And I think the reason why Peter took that gun in, in last week's episode... And that's because he knew being an observer and this assassin was from the observers that he needed something else. But he didn't, I mean, he just thought it was a real gun. He didn't know it was that whatever it shoots. Well, whatever the reason, he does not carry a gun. He needs to start. Well, or he needs to quit going places by himself. Yeah. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he's, he's always having to fight. But this was really a good jack-up, though. I mean, if the FBI wouldn't have run in there, he was... He was hurting. Gone. He was struggling. That was the best scene, though. You see him wiggling on that bar. He was struggling, too. He was kicking Would and you want to swallow a nasty-ass worm? Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. I could have done that. I thing. know. I it was nasty. It, it was nasty. I done it. That was good though. That was, was a good episode. Mm-hmm. You know, it it. I still want to get to our. You know what's going on with the alternate universe. I think we're getting back to that next week. Yeah, I want to get back to that. I like because the previews. Uh, yeah, it's going to be really. I really like good. these other episodes, but to me, whenever we have an episode like this, although I really like it, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, wait, we're wasting time. We got a limited amount of episodes to get to our story. Well, but I I don't feel that way because because there's always some more information that is disclosed about That's true. either Walter or Peter or Olivia or back. Royals yeah. or Nina Sharp. Now, I kind of miss Which, not seeing Nina Sharp in this episode because I like seeing her. But, you know, I think these other episodes, so they still disclose information. They do, and yeah. it kind of... Tightens the net on how they're all interrelated, or they're all interrelated. What, you know what's going on, mm-hmm. but I so, want to see more of that. But it looks like uh, from the previews next week, they're gonna be snatching Walter this time. Oh, the uh, 
Whoever this Whoever. person is that they reanimated from his frozen mm-hmm. head. The shift shape shifter guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're going to be snatching Walter. And we saying, saw Curtis in the commercial. Yep. Curtis is back. Love it. <laughs> Love it. I know. Okay. Well, we didn't have any feedback on this episode yet, but we did have a comment on our iTunes page. Okay. Um, from Andy. Okay, cool. And he says, I love hearing the sisters talk about, well, anything. The <laughs> format of the show is really good for this medium. A detailed recap and then spirited discussion followed by Q&A slash listener comments. Comments, excuse me. I love this podcast. When I listen to it, I feel like I'm sitting with good friends at a round table with a big old bottle of wine between us and lots of time to break apart the episode, rant, rave, and enjoy it all over again. That's a good comment. That's a very good comment. And who's it from? Andy. Hey, Andy, that's a good comment. And you know, I hey, I'm with you with the kicking back with the wine. Yeah, that that is a lot of fun. But hey, thank you for that comment. <laughs> Sister Jay, you crazy. Hey, you know, sometimes, hey, that's what you got to do. That's what you got to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if you'd like to get in on, send us some email. Tell us what you think about the episode, um, our show, whatever you want to talk about. Our email is sisterspeak at gmail.com. Our voicemail line is 972-692-7341. And our website is sistersinreview.com. Yep. That's it for now. I'm Sister K. And I'm Sister J. See you next week.